Can you see me? Doesn't matter, you'll hear me. Um, my name's Teresa, I'm an alcoholic. And my sobriety date is May 22nd, 1983. And I'm 56 years old. Um, so I'll let you do the math while I collect my thoughts. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm very grateful to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous because I wouldn't be alive otherwise. Um, a little bit about my drinking. Um, my first drink was moonshine. Um, my aunt had taken me up to Canada uh, to visit some friends of hers. and. In the basement, we hit the dad's moonshine. Man, whew, I still remember that taking my breath away. Just about knocked me on my ass. And, um, and there, there wasn't really much drinking uh, after that. A little bit in, in high school. Um, and as I got a little older, more. In the state of Massachusetts, they kept raising the drinking age. But I got grandfathered in. So I drank when I was 18, 19, 20, 21. And... Um, I got sober when I was 21 years old, but um, I was a messy alcoholic. I was a violent alcoholic. Um, I would break furniture, throw knives at my husband. I had children and got married in that order. Um, I had two instances of unprotected sex and had two children. And um, so my mom said, you better sew it up or you're gonna have a kid every year. And um, yeah, right. And um, so, uh, at the end of my drinking, I was turning food stamps into packs of cigarettes, and um, uh, I also, uh, at the very end, uh, I had a choice to be homeless or to be a hooker. Unfortunately, I was so bad at the task that men would pay me to stop, you know. They, it's quite all right. Here's 20 bucks. Get out of the car. And, um, yeah, so... I get to keep my lesbian badge. And um, so um, I got sober and I didn't bring a well woman to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I was pretty banged up and pretty sick. Um, so in the first year, um, I did my steps um, and I did the first five very well. Um, I did my fifth step with a priest and on the way back to the halfway house, he gave me absolution and two packs of Marlboros. I thought I had arrived, and, um, <clears throat> and I did the steps in an AWOL group, not in the big book, in a group setting, and um, my partner went out at the sixth step, and I don't think I got repartnered up with somebody. Um, anyway, well, <clears throat> when I looked long and hard at that sixth step, I didn't think there was anything wrong with me, so I skipped it entirely. move a friggin' thing because there was nothing wrong with me. And, um, and um, with, came with the eight-step list, I had burnt my fourth step in a ritual. So I didn't have an eight-step list either. And um, I reinterpreted the ninth step that people got what they deserved. And um, so I skipped that one too. And um, because there was nothing wrong with me, I took your inventory in the 10th step. It was much more pleasurable. <clears throat> and then I felt like the 11th step wasn't working because I would pray for people's demise. And they'd show up the next day like bad pennies. I'm like, this God stuff isn't working very well. And um, the 12th step, don't ask me what I was carrying, but I was carrying it. And um, 
And I could only practice the principles that I had, which weren't many. So um, I was as angry as the day was long. Uh, I, I would get into argument with anybody that kind of breathed the wrong way, you know. They, probably people that weren't even involved with me in conversation. I would drag them into conversation just so I could like verbally attack them. And um, so um, I went on my merry way uh, uh, from, you know, uh, the, the first working of the steps um, when I was um, about uh, seven years sober. I wanted to move to San Francisco, and an old timer in my group took me aside, George, he's probably not here anymore. I mean, he was old then, and that was 35 years ago, um, or 20, 28 years ago. And um, he took me aside, and he said, Teresa, when you get out there, write out a fourth step. Don't do anything with it, put it aside. And a year later, take it down, if nothing's changed, something's wrong. I didn't have a clue to what he was talking about. Of course, I didn't write anything out. But a year later, it occurred to me nothing had changed. I was still the same person. And I don't believe the same person drinks again. I've seen people angry and nutty for their entire life in Alcoholics Anonymous. So if you want to stay sick, it's your prerogative. There's no, there's no problem with that. I have no problem with that. You probably won't be my friend, but I have no problem with that. And so um, I, um, I, I was... In a period of desperation, you know, I, I was just bottled up with a lot of uh, psychic pain. And I went to a meeting and I was here, but I'm, I made my way around and yeah. People knew me as Angry, angry Boston Teresa. And um, so, uh, I got this guy, uh, Brian, to sponsor me, and, um, and you know, oh, he took me through the steps and um, pointed things out that, that I couldn't see. And, you know, I believe that when I'm ready, I'm able to see it. And, and not until that time. And so... Uh, he helped me, uh, especially, uh, well, he had me do the, he wanted me to pray the four, like Edward, and I especially didn't like him. He was a few years younger than me, and as kids, you know, my mother had tagged him along with me, you know, and I, we'd get to the corner down the row of the house, and I'd be like, get away from me, you know, and I'd try to scare him off, and, um, and he ratted out everything to my mother that I did, and... And I, I think that's why I didn't like him so much. And anyway, so I said, I'm not get up. And he said, well, then I can't help you. I didn't mean it, but I didn't want this guy not to sponsor me, you know? So, so I prayed the fourth step prayer. Um, God, this is a, a sick man. Uh, how can I be helpful to him? And God save me from being angry. And, um, I, the anger went away with him. And I kind of went through the next several steps. And, you know, when we get up to step nine, mm, you know, making amends to my mother, that was a tough one. Um, because she was pretty much violent towards me uh, my entire childhood. And then I found out later...
letter, and the letter essentially said that if I'd come to you for help, you might have helped me. He said it didn't have to be true, but it was a start. And so my living amends was I became her daughter, sent her cards, called her, you know, taking trips back there to visit with her. And um, lo and behold, uh, when I was about, <laughs> well, <laughs> I've met this woman. <laughs> God, I ended up firing my sponsor because he told me I couldn't be with her um, because she was married to a man. And I wasn't about to let that stop me. Anyway, um, she was a complete sociopath. Uh, she, was only, she was only violent towards me when I had a thought, feeling, or opinion separate of hers. And um, yeah, took me down to a whole new level. And um, so by this time, I had been busy with my amends with my mother and you know, my mother uh, wrote to me and said, uh, we talked on the phone, I think, and she said, if you need to come home, come home. Leave and never come back. You know, it had totally morphed over time. And um, so I went back there. She had had a heart attack, so it was very convenient. I helped her out. I mean, you know, I was never one to... to I was a very selfish person. I was never one to really want to help anybody. It was always about what, what's in it for me. What do I get out of it? And there was nothing uh, for the self in this. And um, so I go back there. And when I get there, <laughs> um, we go to my cousin's wedding. And um, there was some drama with, with my brother. And, and we get back to the house. And my mother wanted to know what was troubling him. And uh, I said, well, he knows so-and-so wasn't his father, uh, and he wants to know the truth. She said, well, she was drunk. She said, well, if I'm going to tell him the truth, I'm going to tell you the truth, too. So-and-so wasn't your father, either. <laughs> Thank you for telling me that. Um, 34 years old, 13 years sober, and it just, it, it rocked my world, not in a good way. Um, because everything about me, my, my, my entire being, I thought I was somebody else. Somebody else's kid, uh, certain ethnicity, um, all of that changed overnight. And, um, and I bring that up because when one makes a men um, because it, it was ultimately a another woman and I had moved to the desert to be with her and um, just my experience love wasn't showing up the way I thought it should and so I thought love wasn't there and so I came back to San Francisco <clears throat> and uh, 10 years sober I had not knowing how to get home. And I'd been a cab driver for five years. And um, I, I still didn't know how to get home. Uh, my driver's license was on my person, and I still didn't know how to get home. Um, uh, one of my cab driver buddies uh, picked me up in North Beach, which is 
another section of town, the Italian section of town, and um, I like to stay in the Mission District of town. It's funny, when I drove cab, <laughs> I never liked to go north of California Street. <laughs> so if I dropped on the Marina, Russian Hill, North Beach, I'd turn the cab around and go back to the south part of the city. It was just, yeah, I don't know what that was about, but I just didn't like the ritzy ditzy people. Anyway, so, um, hospitalized and um, you know it, it, the, I, there was nothing I thought I would drink over except losing my mind and so when the day came I came up with a great idea I thought I'm not gonna work this shit out in AA I'm not gonna get a sponsor I'm only gonna go to about one meeting every six to eight weeks, whether I need it or not. <laughs> it took me about six years, but I was crazier than a bed bug. <laughs> and um, I, um, yeah, it, it was, it was it, I, I was a mess. Um, and, you know, I didn't want to be a guinea pig for medication. I got sober in Boston, and they weren't doctors, but back 35 years ago, they didn't believe in medication for the alcoholic, which did me a great disservice because I kept myself from getting help for a long time. Um, it was only until circumstances beyond my control put me in the care of a doctor um, and a psychological staff to help me out. So, um, in a lot of pain, you know, uh, can't really go to meetings. Um, this one guy, Dan H., I don't know if he's here tonight. Oh yeah, in the back, there he is. And, um, he would call me every so often and just check in on me. And I honestly believe um, that I would be dead today if he didn't reach out. So, you know, if you know someone's hurting and they, especially if they've been around a while, you know, because they're more than apt to not drink but kill themselves. So, my big idea, uh, New Year's Eve, I was 25 years sober. Um, I was gonna kill myself, I had a plan of action, and um, I was gonna carry it out. She'd have me locked up, I know how they do that shit. And um, I w like, I'm gonna kill myself, but I don't wanna be locked Rationale of an alcoholic with a sick mind. And um, so, uh, what I did was, uh, I, I told myself, you know what, I'd go to a meeting. And if I still felt the same way, I'd go ahead, I'd go ahead and do it. And I went to a meeting, and I couldn't uh, share about this, this stuff with my psychological state. And I did at that meeting, and, you know, I cried. You know the cry with a snot on the sleeve type of cry? And um, this newcomer came up to me afterwards. He only had two weeks in the program. And he's like, thank you very much. I got to know you can have a bad day and not drink. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, someone got something out of that? Um, <laughs> Because I was afraid of scaring the newcomer off, but you know, if someone's new, if they want this thing, there's absolutely nothing wrong that will happen. But if they don't want it, there's absolutely nothing right that's gonna happen. That's just been my experience and what I've seen around me. So here I was, 25 years sober. Um, now, I was not a touchy-feely person. <laughs> None of that California shit for me. And, um, <laughs> So, you know, and, and if people attempted, I'd put something between us like another person or a chair or a table. You know, I wasn't having it. And um, so the very next week, uh, 
that particular group um, uh, was having elections, and I thought, I'll be the greeter. <laughs> what a bad idea. Um, so I had these people coming up to me every week because, you know, especially in San Francisco, they have all this lovey-doveyness and they want to, um, yeah, they want to embrace you. And, um, hoo-hoo, um, yeah, I remember the first guy in AA that wanted to embrace me, I cold-cocked him. And um, he was rattling on about how Jesus loved me and he loved me. And I'm like, look, I don't care what Jesus does, but I'm going to hit you if you come near me. And he did, so I did. And... Um, and then there was rumors that I threw chairs in AA. You know what? I threw one chair. <laughs> Just one. It was at a business meeting, at a woman's meeting, a lesbian meeting, and somebody hurt my feelings. I can't tell you what they said, because I don't remember. But I, <laughs> I remember heaving that chair across the room and, um, and then walked out. And, you know, for a cooling off period, I didn't go back the following week. I went back two weeks later, and... Um, and they started reading this new part of the script that said, <laughs> anybody intimidating others or uh, displaying inappropriate... Well, I got that in, and um, so um, anyway, back to being 25 years sober, so... It's like five years sober when I threw that chair. Um, but, you know, I did get better over time. Um, yeah, I, uh, it took a long time. Uh, the anger didn't leave me. You know, it's weird. When I decided to get reinvolved in AA, I got a sponsor. I started... It took him about six months, which was my commitment length, to break me. You know, and... But one guy shook his hand. Um, so anyway, uh, so uh, I was 25 years sober, I got reinvolved in AA, and uh, things started looking up for me, um, and uh, yeah, I'm losing my place, I wrote little bullet, little bullet notes, mm, let's see, la la la. Wow. So the last 10 years, <laughs> I kind of I talked about everything up to 25 years sober. So the last 10 years have been transformational. You know, um, I've done a lot of hard work in therapy. Uh, the person, you know, the anger... If I didn't hold on to that kind of angst. And, you know... Being an angry person, and if you're angry, God love you. Um, but it takes a lot of energy to be that angry, and it's exhausting. And so um, I've slept a fair amount this last 10 years. Um, I've needed it. I was tired. And um, I, um, uh, two years later, And um, I had just gotten a roommate, she just moved in two weeks before, and she was a little freaked out, you know, she didn't know what to expect, because most people are kind of B-I-T-C-H-E, or, you know, 
just downright irritable. And, um, and I quit smoking and I became calmer than I ever was. Um, and it, I've had a few windows. I'm going to quote it like this, where the loving hand of God washed over me. Because I can't explain it any other way. Um, yeah, I can't explain it any other way. So anyway, um, so I quit smoking and uh, calmed down. And then th this last eight years has been a process of opening up even more. Like, oh, cracking open. You know, like opening my heart to life, to love. And um, those two children, I'll back up. Um, you know, I abandoned them at the end of my drinking because they were in the way. And I just couldn't, I couldn't resolve it within myself. You know, I had to go and I had to go drink. And um, it followed me into sobriety. I got two sobriety dates because I was so smart that I had to drink again. And um, I knew more than most. So uh, the Department of Social week period and couldn't find me. And um, because I lacked the ability to make a decision, people were making decisions for me. And they basically, uh, I was about a year and a half sober, and they basically um, told me, uh, you know, you can give them up willingly or we'll take them. And it didn't seem like much of a choice. But I didn't know that, didn't know I, someone could help me with it. Uh, I kept it close to the vest. I didn't talk to anybody about it. I think some of my anger and bitterness over the years was because of that one event. And so uh, one child my in-laws took and the other child got adopted. Now, some freaky things can happen in sobriety. And I've had very interesting coincidences happen. The son I put up for adoption, when he was 16 years old, he went into a restaurant he'd never been in. My sister-in-law was in the same restaurant. She'd never been there either. And she recognized him from age four to age 16, um, clear across the room. And she went up to him and she asked him if his name was Christopher. And he said, yes. He's like, did you know me when I was adopted? Because everything centered around him being adopted. And she's like, no, I knew you when you were born. I know your mother. And um, so, you know, I don't know if it was fortunate or unfortunate, but he decided to run away for his, from his adopted mother and come out here to San Francisco. And um, some things are nature and some things are nurture. And this kid was all about nature, um, not nurture. I mean, it was as if I'd raised him myself. He had the same attitude, uh, the same cocky arrogance. He had the same, the same stride. And um, so he came out here and, you know, he thought he could do to me what he was doing to his adopted mother. And, you know, I don't know, right, wrong, or indifferent. I did sit him down and I said, look, if you want to help yourself, there's not anything I wouldn't do to help you. But if you don't want to help yourself, I suggest you go back to your adopted mother and work it out with her. And I don't know if that was smart or not. Um, <clears throat> It's probably the only regret I have in my life. <clears throat> so anyway, um, he goes back there, he gets in trouble, gets in a lot of trouble, gets in more trouble, um, gets uh, hooked on drugs, and um, 
He died two and a half years ago <clears throat> of an overdose. <clears throat> you know, and I have to let go of the what ifs because I just do not know the same thing might have happened. Um, so anyway, um, my other son uh, decided to come out and visit me a year and a half ago and uh, and he got here and he decided he was staying and because uh, he wanted to spend some time with me um, while I was young enough to spend time with. Um, <laughs> he didn't want to spend time with me when I was like 80 old and decrepit, you know, not um, so he moved out here, and that's been, that's been a blessing. Um, so, you know, sometimes uh, God takes away, and sometimes God gives. And I must remain focused on the child I do have. Um, and I must say that life is for the living. So um, I know I talked a lot about problems, because I'm a problem child, but... You know, I've also had a lot of amazing things happen in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, uh, I've been able to travel. I've been able to go to conventions. Uh, in my 20s, I get sober at 21, so in my 20s, I sing a lot. That same lesbian meeting where I threw a chair, <laughs> we would um, go out after the meeting and go dance, and it was a Friday night meeting. Uh, the Boston Roundup unfortunately folded. There was some infighting, and they couldn't get over themselves. Um, so, I don't know, I think I'm, I think I'm running low. Um, let me, I'm gonna check, I'm gonna check my time. 7.20, when did I start? <laughs> I got 15 minutes, Jesus Christ. Um, 15 minutes, I don't have to. But you know what, I will, I will say this, that, um, you know, and I'll probably end with this, that, you know, I was banged up as a child pretty badly. And, um, you know, and I only say that in case there's a woman out there or even a man out there in which that's happened to you, that I would be open to talk with you um, at another point in time. Not, probably not this weekend. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have to go on, right? I don't have to go on. That's all I have for you. Thank you.